This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. Welcome, uh, welcome. It's Thursday afternoon, fresh thinking time. And of course, that means that it's, we got to do something that is a little bit out of the ordinary. Welcome aboard. It's nice to have you. And I hope you're going to interact with this conversation because at first you might think that I'm being quite flippant in what we're going to talk about today. But actually, there's quite a lot of meaning behind what we're going to talk about. So it is, uh, it's fresh thinking. It's Thursday afternoon. It's the way you connect with us. You can at any time send a message on 34519. If you're going to SMS, you can send a message on Telegram 0618951019. You can call the studio 0101403020. And you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me at Rabbi Shish. So what we're going to talk about today is I came across this very interesting concept. At first, I thought it was a joke, but apparently it's not. And that's why I'm saying you might think that this is flippant, but it's not intended to be flippant. I really think that there is quite a lot to discuss. So here's the story. Apparently, if you go to Japan, and maybe some people are going to Japan for the rugby. So apparently, if you go to Japan, there is a particular Buddhist group who now have an android priest. <laughs> okay, let me explain what that means. And there's even a picture over here. So it looks, really looks like something out of a science fiction movie. It's exactly what it looks like. I mean, it looks like one of these cyborgs, you know, kind of half person. I, I think it'd be quite freaky if you went into Shul and the rabbi looked like he was uh, some kind of a hybrid between human and robot. So anyhow, the thing is this, so it's a 400-year-old Japanese temple that has brought in a robot to preach. <laughs> now, I can imagine already some people are going to say, well, maybe the shul that I go to, the rabbi is also a robot, judging by the way that he preaches. Okay, so let's not make this too personal. Uh, it's an adult-sized android robotic thing. That is, uh, this is in Kyoto in Japan, and they say that it's supposed to look like one of the Buddhist deities. Some critics have called it a Frankenstein's monster, but apparently it's actually quite popular, popular with other priests. Can you imagine that? I would have thought that priests would have felt a little bit threatened by the robot in their midst. And it's become very, apparently it's doing really well for the religion. And people are engaging. And, 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 but here's the interesting thing about it. Here's, I mean, there's so many interesting things about it. Some people claim that it's sacrilege. Some people believe that it's great. Yeah, this thing is made out of aluminium, but it has hands, face, and shoulders that are covered in silicon to give it the impression of being human skin. You can give a 25-minute sermon without, while it moves it's uh, body and arms and head, which is all really, really nice, because ultimately that means that a 25-minute sermon, wow, I don't know, the any rabbis can still get away with that. People chuck you out for that. So it just got me thinking, really, got me thinking about this notion of having a robot get up and uh, run the service. How would that go down? I don't know, my question is not so much how would it go down in a shul, because 
possibly it could work. You get an AI rabbi and he has the answers to your questions and he really knows things that you don't necessarily know or, or things that would take a lot of research to find out. So that's the, um, that's the one side of it, I suppose, is that it's, it could be very efficient maybe to have this robotic rabbi. But philosophically, ideologically, it raises many, many questions, philosophical questions. For example, is the goal of Judaism to become as efficient as possible? I mean, we, we like efficiency in certain areas and it's, and it's valuable and it's worthwhile because if you have an organization that is efficient, if you have a community that is efficient, maybe you can trim off some of the excess cost. Maybe you can get responses. I mean, you know how it is. Sometimes you ask a question from the rabbi and you don't necessarily get hold of the rabbi or even after you do get hold of the rabbi, maybe it takes a long time until the rabbi is able to respond. Maybe not every rabbi can give a good sermon. Not every rabbi can be available at all the times that you need. So that sounds like there's a lot of advantage in this AI version or if somebody somebody just messaged me right now to say AV version. Avey, like Oivey, Aivey. So maybe there's something, maybe there's something to be said for it. I mean, there were probably people who were quite objected or quite uh, anti the concept of having shiurim that are available for download because that's going to prevent people from going to engage in the yeshiva and actually have the shiur. But that's no different, I suppose, from people having been opposed to printing Torah in books because that would stop people learning. The traditional way of learning was was verbal, so there was a lot of interaction, and it kept the, the religion quite dynamic. The minute you put something into a book, you create a passive approach so maybe that could uh, maybe that could have an a, a, an effect and so the question i suppose is do we just reject something because it's not what we're used to that's why i say there's a philosophical question over here is it, is it just simply about how do you ensure the greatest bang slash impact on your community get somebody who's perfect program them to be brilliant or is there something to be said for that fallible human being? And that's why I think that this is not just a question about whether we should be getting robo-rabbis. If in Japan, I suppose it's suitable in Japan. It's a very tech-oriented nation. I've always been a little bit ahead of the curve, I suppose, in terms of technology. So it's quite suited. If it's good enough there, when you're talking about an ancient religion, now serving up religious input via a, a robot... Uh, are we too good for that? Is that something that Judaism should not be looking at? I suppose it goes along the question of bringing uh, electronic work into a shul, particularly around Shabbos. I suppose you could put, imagine you could put your rabbi on a timer. That'd be interesting. So before Shabbos comes in, you could program what time the rabbi will start his sermon. More importantly, what time he'll finish it. So I could definitely see why it would be attractive to people to have such a thing. If it's good enough for these ancient Far Eastern religions, is it, okay, leave the Shabbos story out of the question. Is it maybe good enough for us? Could you imagine getting a robotic rabbi? What? Come on, let's, let's see it. What would the arguments be for it? What would the arguments be against it? Why should it be something that we should embrace? Or alternatively, why should it be something that we should reject? And you can't tell me reject it just simply because it's something we've never had before. That's not a good enough reason to 
as we say in the classics, to puzzle something, to consider it to be uh, inappropriate. You can't say that just because we haven't had it until now. Well, you know, there are many things that we have in the Jewish world today that are halachically compliant, even though they were not around in previous generations. Maybe a robot rabbi is one of those. Um, Some people tell you that artificial intelligence is already alive and well in some of the clergy and some of our leadership. So, you know, who needs necessarily to clone or to design or to program something to do that? So what do you think? Do you think that a robot rabbi is, is a moot point? Do you think that's something we should discuss? Do you think it has value? And if yes, why? And if not, why not? So let's uh, hear what you have to say. 34519, that's our SMS number. You can send a message on Telegram 0618951019 and you can tweet at Chaifem or tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So there we go. Could you imagine if this show was given by a robot rabbi? Maybe that'd be a good thing. Save uh, a lot of trouble. One thing I can tell you, Robot Rabbi would uh, not um and ah in the middle of the show, that's for sure. Here's somebody who says, not a good idea to have a Robot Rabbi. Too many rabbis will be without work. So, is this uh, a member of the Rabbi's Union protesting now and saying, no, 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 we cannot have uh, robotic rabbis. Maybe we can have the same argument for a whole lot of other industries as well. That's not specific only to the rabbinic industry. For all we know, we might have uh, AI doctors at some point who might do a better job at diagnosis than human doctors do. We certainly already have AI pilots. We just don't call it that, right? We just call it autopilot. And they've brought air safety to a different level to what it was when we relied only on humans who have a predisposition to error. So why is that? Just the fact that rabbis might be out of a job, is that a reason why the community should not have the benefit, assuming that a rabbi who is a robot is actually good for the community? But let's flip that around for one second. Who says that they'll be out of a job? That's the part that I'm not so convinced about. It's part of what I'd like to discuss because that I think is a philosophical issue over here. This is not simply just about efficiency. Can we get a product that gives us the best result? This is very much about how does Judaism view the world. And it's it's funny we should be having this conversation now because Sunday is Rosh Chodesh. We'll begin the month of Elul and that gives us a month of preparation until Rosh Hashanah. It's a time of the year where you're supposed to be introspective. We're told that just as in a business, you've got to take stock once a year to know if the business is doing well or not. So spiritually, you have to take stock once a year as well. And so you'll hear a lot of talk starting at this time of the year, a lot of encouragement around being introspective and thinking about your year and the things that you've done and things you could improve upon and so on and so forth. And that talks directly to the question of whether or not we are, um, whether or not we are expected, I suppose it's probably a good word, to be perfect. So here you've got this robot. It'd be amazing. A robot will never be perfect, but in whatever it is programmed to do, it will be able to do perfectly. And the great thing about, uh, about human, uh, not about human, the great thing about artificial intelligence is the fact that it can be taught to process and based on the processes to very quickly adapt and develop, you know, might be amazing. 
So I'm not saying that they're perfect, but in what they're programmed to do, they do it. They do it right, of course, unless there's some kind of a bug or something that gets into the system. So from a philosophical point of view, is that an objective for us? Could you imagine? I mean, a rabbi is not just a dispenser of information. I think this is fascinating. Here you've got a priest who's going to get up and give a sermon, a robotics and pre-programmed sermon. That means that somebody knows exactly what that sermon is going to sound like. Somebody's programmed it in. I don't know how much variety it doesn't say in the article. Here's this... Um, this robot priest in Japan that can speak for 25 minutes on Buddhism. Well, that's wonderful, but does it have the capacity to mix it up a bit to, to show what kind of emotion, what kind of inflection? Personally, I have to say, I think it would be a terrible thing to have to go to shul and listen to something that sounds pre-programmed, no matter how well they create the inflections and the sounds associated with the, the relevant emotions. Uh, at the end of the day, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, I don't know, can it be inspiring? Could you be inspired by something that is artificial? <laughs> is, is that possible? Not sure. Rene says, robo rabbis will do away with the human touch. Well, that's exactly, that's exactly, and that's why I'm not so convinced that a robot rabbi will put rabbis out of a job. Can a robot empathize? Maybe it can be programmed to exhibit things that appear similar to empathy, but can it? No, of course not. How can it possibly, how can it possibly empathize? How can it possibly emote? So the human touch, which is a really, really big deal, the human touch is something that is never going to be replaced with any robot. Again, I come back to the philosophical question. The artificial intelligence, the speed of computing, the, I suppose, seamless way in which a, an AI entity can operate is all very exciting and compelling and gives you the impression that you're able to do things in a perfect way. Well, here's the philosophical question. Is perfect good? Is perfect an, an objective? Is perfect a goal? Is perfect a, an ideal? So it comes this time of the year and you go into the month of Elul and you're supposed to be introspective and you have this long list of things that you have to kind of test yourself against and say, how well have I done in this area and how well have I done in that area? What's my prayer like? How good is my Torah study? Have I been kind to people? Have I spoken badly about people? There's quite a lot of things that a person has to reflect on. And then you turn around afterwards and you say, well, I'm certainly not holding up to that list. That gives a very strong impression that you are imperfect. And you are, and we are, and that's part of being human. So creating a person who's supposed to lead or represent the community who stands up at the top of the community, at the lead, at the head of the community, who can't make a mistake, is that a good thing? Can you have – there's a good question in its own right. Is it is it healthy to have a leader who can't mess up? Is it healthy to have an expectation that the person who you look to, so to speak, as your role model is not a person after all? And they're just uh, quote-unquote – Perfect, seamless, always get it right. Interesting. Here's, uh, here's an interesting one, very interesting question. Martin asks, can Hashem create an artificial soul? And he puts in brackets AS. So we've got AI, artificial intelligence. And he says, well, maybe there's something called AS, an artificial soul. It's an interesting question. Not quite sure exactly how you picture, Martin, how you picture that Artificial soul, what does it look like? Is it, is it a soul or isn't it a soul? I mean, what is the nature of a soul? I suppose it raises a whole lot of questions in its own right once you start using that kind of terminology. What would be an artificial soul? Surely a soul is either a soul or it's not, as opposed to intelligence, which could be generated by some kind of logarithm, as opposed to being the human kind of intelligent. Rene wants to know, would you be allowed to listen to a robot rabbi on Shabbos? It's a good question. 
would you be allowed to listen to a robo rabbi on Shabbos? Good question. Is that altogether different to something else that's on a timer? Your lights that come on because you've pre-set the timer before Shabbos that your lights should come on at a certain time? Or uh, the fact that you could have your cholent in a pot cooking right through Shabbos and at a certain point it's ready to eat and you take it off and you eat it? Would a robot rabbi be fundamentally different to that? On the other hand, uh, people will definitely tell you it's very not in the spirit of Shabbos. Okay, so let's leave, let's leave Shabbos out of it. So the rabbis can still keep their jobs and they can deal with Shabbos and the robo rabbi will deal with the rest. So he'll be the master teacher and he'll be able to shoot out answers to people's questions and will be able to, I don't know what else. Visit the sick without getting tired of going to 14 hospital visits in one day and conducting a funeral and, and being at a press. Okay. Maybe, maybe outside of Shabbos. Uh, Michael has a different question. Can the robo rabbi blow the shofar? <laughs> now that is a very, very interesting question because the shofar actually is a, is a mitzvah to listen to. Uh, it's not necessarily a, a mitzvah to blow on the one hand. On the other hand, you can never fulfill the mitzvah, any mitzvah at all, if the one who's doing it on your behalf is not themselves obligated to do the mitzvah. That's why a child, for example, can't blow the shofar for an adult because the child is not yet required in the full sense to listen to the shofar and the adult is. So a robot is not required, that's for sure, to perform mitzvahs, which I suppose makes you wonder, what kind of a rabbi are you anyway? If you're not obligated to do mitzvahs. Fascinating point in its own right. Love to hear your thoughts. 34519 if you're going to SMS. Otherwise, send a message on Telegram 0618951019. Tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. And if you're brave enough, you can pick up the phone 0101403020. If you are just tuning in, it is Thursday afternoon, Chai FM. Fresh thinking, and you are with Rabbi Shishla until 3 p.m. Today I'm talking about a an article that I read in Japan. They've got a robotic priest, a robotic Buddhist priest. And I'm asking the question, would it fly as a rabbi, a robo-rabbi? Is there something to be said for that? And, and, and I was just thinking, actually, just thinking about it. If the role of the leader, the spiritual leader of the community is purely just to dispense wisdom, well then, why not get a rabbi, uh, a robot, I'm sorry, why not get a robot? I suppose in the same way as you could record a particular meditation and have a play in the temple, you could have the robot that looks like it's doing the past, dispensing the particular information, reading chapters of a particular holy book or whatever the case is. If that's the job. But it's not the job. It's the furthest thing from the job. Just as we were talking a minute ago about the fact, Michael's question, can a robot blow the shofar? And the, the law in Judaism saying, well, if you're not personally obligated to do a particular mitzvah, then you may not do that mitzvah on behalf of somebody else. It's quite logical if you think about it. But it's more than that because it helps us to understand a perspective. You can't tell somebody to do something that you personally can't carry the responsibility of doing. For example, there's a beautiful section in the book of Tanya, learning it currently with a group of people. Uh, Tanya is the seminal work of Chabad Hasidic philosophy, and it's a very powerful book. So there, the Alter Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, the author of the book, makes a very interesting case. And he says, you know, if you 
and it's human nature to do this, but if you feel critical about somebody and the way that they behave and you think, I, I don't get it. Like, what's with this person? Why can't they get their act together? Or why is it that they're so easily tempted? Or why is it that they're so lo- lazy or so aggressive or whatever the particular thing is that we have? And we do this all the time. It's the nature of people to constantly judge other people. So the Altarebbe says in the book of Tanya, he says, look, before you make a judgment about somebody else's spiritual status, let's leave everything else out of it for now, but just their spiritual status. So, for example, you believe, I don't get it. Why doesn't that person just keep their mouth shut? Why do they always have to talk negatively about other people, as an example? Or why is it that that person can never get themselves to shul, which you often find the, as a judgmental position from those people who do go to shul? What's with you? Why don't you come? Like It's important. It's what Jews are supposed to do. Why are you not doing it? So he says if you're about to make that kind of a judgment of somebody, the first thing that you have to ask yourself is, are you expecting yourself to invest the same kind of spiritual effort for your personal growth that you're expecting now of the other person? In other words, think for a moment. Maybe it's not so simple for that person to come to shul. Maybe it's really difficult because they find it difficult to follow the service or because they're self-conscious around all people who are more religious than they are or because the mornings are difficult for them and can't get out of bed or because they have a lot of work responsibilities and they're feeling completely overwhelmed at the moment and to undertake another undertaking is just too much. So it's going to take a lot of effort on their part to make that shift. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. Of course they should do it. Of course. If something's healthy and meaningful and positive and uplifting, of course you should do it. Why are they grappling? Why are they battling to do it? Because it's going to take a tremendous amount of investment and energy and exertion and commitment. So I sit here on my ivory tower and say, well, for me, it's easy. I go to shul every morning. I don't really have a choice because uh, rabbis have to go to shul. Otherwise, the community comes knocking on your door looking for you. So or in the good old days when the shul was inside my house, they knocked on the door just simply to get in. So I've got to go to shul, right? So for me, it's not a big challenge. It's, it's not just judgmental. It's completely unfair for me to sit and say, why is that person not putting in that effort? So the only way that I can make that judgment about that person, which really I should never do under any circumstances, but the only way I could even contemplate making that judgment is to say, am I demanding of myself the same kind of effort for something that I need to do in my spiritual growth that I'm now demanding of that person. Now, a robot could never do that. So, yes, the human touch, as Rene said before, the robot won't have the human touch, but there's something even more profound than the human touch. It's wrong to have an entity that can spew wisdom, insight, teachings about something that will make demands on your life because that's what spiritual teachings are. They're going to make a demand on your life and tell you that you need to improve and you've got to put in some effort and you've got to progress. To be absolutely wrong and be immoral to expect that it's okay to have an entity make you feel that pressure to grow if that entity has no capacity for growth. In other words, it can't make the demands of itself. That's the thing. I mean, the the Talmud even says this about God. The Talmud says that God is unlike your classic king. In those days, of course, the monarchy was a big thing. And kings were notoriously unaware or out of touch or just totally dead to the realities of their people a lot of the time. So the Talmud says that God is not like an ordinary king who just throws out a responsibility for everybody else to do but does not do it themselves God, if he, God himself, if he tells us to do something, he does it too, in whatever fashion that is. So, 
the Talmud says, how do we learn the way of treating sick people? Look how God treated Abraham when he was sick. And how do we learn the way to treat people who are bereaved? Look how God dealt with people who were bereaved. So that the standoffish kind of it's not part of my reality, but I'll tell you what to do attitude is antithetical to Judaism. And that's probably the biggest reason why a robot rabbi could never fly. I don't mean that in the literal sense. Here's uh, Michael who says, hearing a chauffeur via the radio doesn't count either, even if it was blown by somebody who was obligated to do so. Is the robot rabbi a comparison? No, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, you're making a good point, Mike. You cannot listen to the chauffeur over the radio, and there's a simple reason for that, because the sound of the chauffeur would not be the sound of the chauffeur. It would be the sound of sound waves that have been translated into an electronic digital format that then have been turned back into sound waves, and that's what you're hearing, but you're not actually hearing the original chauffeur itself, as opposed to if this robo-rabbi could blow the chauffeur, you would be hearing the sound. You'd actually be hearing the sound. So it's not the same as the robo, as the radio, I'm sorry. The reason it, I think that it would not be acceptable is because you're hearing the chauffeur from an entity that has no obligation to blow the chauffeur. Very interesting SMS came anonymously that says the robo-rabbi would certainly not ask for tzedakah. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. If the robo-rabbi was programmed to ask for tzedakah, then he definitely, if it's a he, because it's, it's, I suppose, an, a genderless entity, then would certainly ask for tzedakah. And, and not only that, would ask for tzedakah a lot better than all the other rabbis. That's for sure. So I don't think we should worry about its ability. This robo-rabbi would be able to do a lot of things that the rest... I, I, I don't think for one second a robo-rabbi would not ask for tzedakah. I'm absolutely sure that that would be programmed right into one of the core processes in that robo-rabbi's brain. So for me, more of the issue of here is a philosophical issue. It is philosophically inappropriate, wrong for somebody... Well, I mean, I'll talk about somebody over here, right? For a programmed, computerized entity to sit in a position of leadership slash inspiration, that is not, it's not possible. You can't do that. If you AI, you can't do that. You can share information. Yes, that you can do. You can share information, but you cannot model and you cannot uh, inspire. That's a big part of what Jewish leadership is all about. What do you think? You can SMS 34519, Telegram messages on 0618951019, or tweet at ChaiFM, tweet at Ravashesh. What do you think? Robo rabbis, yes or no? This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Sheshla. So today we're talking about robo-rabbis because there's a robot priest apparently now in a 400-year-old Buddhist temple in Japan. And I'd like to know if you think that that should be coming to a shul near you, obviously the Jewish version. And one of the interesting things that one of the monks says why he thinks that this this particular version of the robo-priest is such a good thing is because it doesn't die. So think about that for a second. His argument is that what happens, unfortunately, 
with humans is that we have a sell-by. We have an expiry date. There's a sell-by date as well. We have an expiry date. At some point, that human being moves off to the next world, the soul departs the body, and then you've got to pass the baton to the next person, and there's no such thing as cumulative experience. This is the argument of this particular monk. And each person really has to kind of start again from the bottom to create their own experience. Whereas if you had this robot, this AI that's learning constantly from the interactions that it has with people, it's constantly learning, constantly improving, and it doesn't die. So it's just going to get better and better and better at what it does. And I think, hang on a second. Maybe that's exactly the problem. Maybe that's exactly the problem. There's only one person who is famous in Jewish tradition. I'm not saying he's the only person that happened to, but there's one person who's famous in Jewish tradition for not having died, and that is Elijah. The prophet Elijah didn't die, right? It's not an ideal. It's not an ideal. In fact, there's so much emphasis placed in Judaism over the fact that a leader should be relatable. Maybe in certain respects, the leader has to be head and shoulders, like it says about King Saul, way above the people. Look at Moses. Couldn't relate to their desire to eat meat, as an example. So there's certain ways in which the the, the leader has to be really in a category of his own. At the same time, he has to be able to be relatable. That's the challenge of real leadership. Now, the fact that this robot can't die naturally means that this robot will have absolutely no sense of the anxiety that people might have around death and absolutely no sense of the loss and grief that a person would have if they lost somebody. So funny that they use that as a compelling argument for the robot spiritual leader. To my mind, that's a compelling argument against that kind of a leader. We don't, you know, robots actually, artificial intelligence actually is just in our realm, a version of what effectively exists on a far more sophisticated level in the spiritual realm called angels. Now, they're fantastic. Angels get it. They also don't die. They don't misbehave. They don't falter. They can always share exactly what needs to be shared in the perfect way. And interestingly enough, as great as they are and wonderful as they are, the angels don't get the Torah and the angels don't get to be the center of Hashem's objective for the whole of creation. They play a role, but it's not a central role. They're not the ones who are going to make it happen. They don't have the capacity for free choice. And that's exactly what's great about us. If you had to take a person and rob them of the opportunity of free choice, and there are multiple ways to do that, by the way. One of them would be if God just like revealed himself, for example, at Mount Sinai, and it's overwhelming, and it's completely mind-blowing, and then you don't have free choice any longer. That's all very nice, but it's not very meaningful. And the goal is that it should be meaningful, that we should be meaningful. We believe very strongly that Hashem put us here on this earth because we have a role to play. And the nature of that role is it's a role that we have to play, not because we've been led in a particular way or pushed in a particular way or overwhelmed into submission, but because we actually find our way. In other words, fundamental to the whole concept of Judaism, and the Rambam Maimonides speaks at length about this, is the point that you have to be able to make free choices. If you don't have the capacity for free choices, well, then you don't have the capacity to be meaningful. You don't have the capacity to be part of God's great objective for the whole world. And, and this robotic priest can never have that, can never have that, can never actually make a choice. 
Here's a WhatsApp from Deborah. Just remember, we, we've migrated, so we don't look at our WhatsApps often at all. So rather send us a Telegram message in future. You can save this number, 0618951019. So Deborah says, uh, the robot rabbi is a no-no. For one, a rabbi has a calling from Hashem. They set apart by Hashem. And then there are rituals that the robot will not be able to impart to the community. So definitely agree that it's a calling. I think that's such a beautiful angle to bring to this. If something, can you imagine? I can't think of anything worse. Something that is programmed to be in a position of spiritual leadership. My gosh, it's nauseating, just the thought. <laughs> You've got to have that empathy. You know, they tell a story about the second Rebbe, the Mittler Rebbe, Rabbi Dov Ber of, of Lubavitch. And they say that he used to see people in his private audiences. And often, in between seeing one or two people and the next person, he'd quickly run out and change his clothes because he was absolutely drenched from perspiration. And... The reason that he gave why that happened was because when a person comes to see a leader, a spiritual leader, when the person comes to a Rebbe, the first thing the Rebbe has to do is get out of being a Rebbe and get into the reality that that person is coming from. Because if you don't have the capacity for empathic understanding, well, then you don't have the ability to really help the person. So the first thing you've got to do is you've got to strip away the perfection that you live in and feel the pain and the dirt and the shame of that person. Once you felt it, he says, well, then you've got to go back into the leadership position. So now you've got to divest yourself of their experience and go back into the leader, the teacher, the mentor, the guide's experience. Because otherwise, how can you help the person if you're still stuck in the same schmutz that they're stuck in? And it's just backwards and forwards. And it's it's draining. It's 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 the kind of thing. It's exertion. And then, and then you've got to put up a robot over there. You've got to go tell the robot, you know, this, this particular marriage problem comes up with solution 3,642. And then you, you tell it that, you tell this robot that uh, somebody in the family is sick and it gives you speech number, empath, empathic speech number 465. I mean, come on. That, that, that's exactly the antithesis of everything of what spiritual leadership is all about. I'd love to hear your thoughts if you have something to add to that. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So there are a whole lot of things. You know, it's this time of the year. It's coming up for the month of Elul, and we're supposed to be introspective, and we're supposed to think about all the things that we are not doing as well as we should, and how could we improve upon them? And you might find yourself thinking, "Gee, I'm far from perfect." And then they tell you there's going to be a robot priest in, and maybe we should have a robot rabbi. And I think, well, no, 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 a million times no. In fact, Renee said it. Bottom line: no robo rabbis! Exclamation point. No, a million times. You do, we, we're not looking for this perfect, regimented, pre-recorded version. I don't care how much AI learns from its environment. The bottom line is it's, it doesn't have the capacity to fail or to experience the shame of failure or to, it's not only about emotion that it's not capable of having an emotional connection with the people it would lead. Much more than that, it's not capable of being fallible. One of the most important things about what makes humans special is the fact that we could fail. That's why the very first human story that is told is Adam and Eve failing. 
Not because we're out to, you see, you see how bad they are, and therefore you're going to all be the same for the rest of your life, and we can't expect anything better of you. Well, a robot rabbi might turn around and say that kind of thing. I was joking about it earlier, that I think that some people who walk into shul, and they do, in fact, pray like robots. Happens all the time. Sadly, there are people who have been in the business for that long, clergymen, who become robotic. Yes, been there, heard that, yeah, and forget about the human side to it. The very first story in the Torah is the story of human failure to teach us that God put us in this world with the capacity to fail, with the knowledge that we will, and that's what makes us special. Because if you can't fail, then it's not a big deal if you succeed. If you can't make a wrong decision, there's absolutely nothing to celebrate about making a right decision. When you go into the prep for Rosh Hashanah and you're supposed to be doing Teshuvah, quote unquote repentance, and everybody thinks, oi, what does that mean? I have to feel all dour and upset and, no. It's about recognizing that I have the opportunity to reconnect myself with God, not only despite the fact that I failed, ironically, because of it. Because I could mess up, because I'm not a robot, because I'm not perfect, because I don't think at the speed of an AI entity, that's why God loves me. Because God's intention for creation was that there should be people who can do things of their own accord. Not perfect things, but things of their own accord. That's our greatness. We'll never have a robot rabbi, certainly not an orthodox one. Until then, have a, we'll see you next week, I suppose. Until then, have a wonderful Shabbos. It's Rosh Chodesh on Sunday, Rosh Chodesh Elul, the beginning of the month of Elul. Every day for that month, we blow the shofar. So try get to shul on Sunday morning. Start getting into the spirit. Please, God, it should be a year of blessing for all of us, not only the year that's coming on Rosh Hashanah, but even the last month of this year that can still be filled with blessings. Please, God, for all of us.